Let us pray. Help us to remember your faithfulness and generosity, that in gratitude we might live with a generosity of spirit that truly celebrates the life we receive in you. And hold me up, Lord, that I might lift you up. Amen. So you may be wondering why I'm wearing green glasses today. <laughs> Thank you for asking, Jeff. So I've shared with y'all in the past that um, I've had the opportunity to participate with Eanes Independent School District um, over the past year and a half in some work where we have together, I'm part of a team that has convened a group of community leaders for the purpose of discerning some of the greatest challenges that face the kids and families in our Eanes ISD area. Well, one of the top challenges that we identified is that our kids are under a lot of pressure. They're under a lot of stress to perform at very high levels in multiple areas of their lives simultaneously, all for the purpose of achieving some culturally imposed concept of success. Now, in this process over the past year and a half, we also brainstormed various ways that we could propose that our kids and families might meet these challenges. One of the things that we came up with in response to this particular challenge is that we wanted to redefine success. In particular, we wanted to empower families to define success in alignment with their own values and their own priorities. Now, as a district, Eanes ISD, for this school year, are promoting a means of becoming successful, which was proposed by Mr. Rogers, who famously said that there are three ways to ultimate success. The first way is to be kind. The second way is to be kind. And the third way is to be kind. In a cultural context that competes for success, oftentimes defined by the acquisition of resources like money and goods, recognition, power. For those of you who are in school, good grades. Kindness can seem like a counterintuitive means for achieving success. And I think it's a really interesting and powerful means of reframing how we think about success. Based on this advice, throughout the school year, the district is advocating for kindness. And much like the customary red sweater vest and blue sneakers remind us of Mr. Rogers, these green glasses are meant to remind us to be kind. There's gonna be a series of green glasses days throughout the remainder of the school year meant to promote kindness and to reflect on a series of practices that are meant to cultivate kindness. As one of Eanes ISD's community partners, we, Westlake United Methodist Church, are also going to participate in these Green Glasses Days so that we can help get the message out and reinforce it in the community, which is not much of a stretch, right? Since our faith does have quite a lot to say about kindness. And that's why I and many of the worship leaders you've seen around you are wearing green glasses today. This coming Wednesday is a green glasses day. And the practice that we're focusing on is gratitude, which is handy since Thanksgiving's right around the corner. As those who are created by a very generous God, we have a lot to be grateful for. 
But do we remember? Do we take the time to intentionally reflect on all the things that God has done for us and to give thanks to God for those things? It seems God wants us to remember and give thanks. Just take this reading from Deuteronomy. In today's reading, God is talking to Moses. You may recall that Moses is the one that God called to deliver the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt and to bring them to the promised land. Well, after leaving Egypt, the Israelites had wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And as they finally arrive on the cusp of the land that the Lord God had promised them, God says to Moses, you know what, Moses, before we go any further, we need to stop just a minute. There are some things we need to go over, some things that the Israelites need to know before they claim this land that I've promised them. Listen for the word of God. <clears throat> Once you have entered the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance and you take possession of it and are settled there, take some of the early produce of the fertile ground that you have harvested from the land the Lord your God is giving you and put it in a basket. Then go to the location the Lord your God selects for their name to reside. Go to the priest who is in office at that time and say to him, I am declaring right now before the Lord your God, I have indeed arrived in the land that the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. The priest will then take the basket from you and place it before the Lord your God's altar. Then you should solemnly state before the Lord your God, my father was a starving Aramean. He went down to Egypt, living as an immigrant there with few family members, but that is where he became a great nation, mighty and numerous. The Egyptians treated us terribly, oppressing us and forcing hard labor on us, so we cried out for help to the Lord, our ancestors' God. The Lord heard our call. God saw our misery, our trouble, and our oppression. The Lord brought us out of Egypt with a strong hand and an outstretched arm, with awesome power and with signs and wonders. God brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land full of milk and honey. So now I am bringing the early produce of the fertile ground that you, the Lord God, have given to me. Set the produce before the Lord your God, bowing down before the Lord your God, then celebrate all the good things the Lord your God has done for you and your family, each one of you along with the Levites and the immigrants who are among you. Let us give thanks for the reading and hearing of this holy scripture. I have indeed arrived. This is what the Israelites are to declare to the priest when they present their offering. Sweet, sweet words, especially for a people who have wandered, lost for years, or even just hours. Y'all, I have a terrible sense of direction. And especially before the days of GPS, I spent countless hours wandering in circles, driving in maddening circles in search of some destination or another. One time I was driving parallel to the Atlantic Ocean in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. The person I was driving with said, go west at the next light. 
and I had no idea which way to turn. So the joy that I experience when my GPS says, you have arrived at your destination, it is real. It's a relief. I'm not lost anymore. I'm not anxious and wondering how much longer, how far is it? Tracy, do you even know where you're going? I can only imagine how many times the Israelites asked Moses, are we there yet? (laughs) That's one possible response. We're nomads. The Israelites, they don't have to ask, are we there yet ever again? They have indeed arrived. And that's what God tells them to declare in gratitude as they offer the first fruits of their incredibly fertile land that they are about to receive. They are to declare, I have indeed arrived as a form of celebration. But before they enter the land, I mean literally, just before they enter the promised land, Scripture says Moses could see it. It's right there. God turned to Moses and said, pull the car over, we need to talk. I mean, can you imagine after 40 years of wandering in maddening circles through the wilderness, a much longer and circuitous route than necessary, much longer than anticipated. Y'all, do you realize it was only about 240 miles from Egypt to the promised land? I mean, even if they had traveled just one mile a day and taken the Sabbath off, it would have been less than a year's journey. We are talking 40 years later. Finally, they can see it. And God says, wait a minute, hold up. We need to get a few ground rules straight. I remember on Christmas mornings, arriving at my grandparents' house, and as we pulled into the driveway, my parents stopping and turning around in the seat. Tracy, we need to get a few ground rules straight. Now, before we go in here, I want you to remember, don't run in the house. Don't immediately ask about your presence. It's rude. And don't, um, it's rude. And remember to say please and thank you and don't interrupt. And by all means, do not cut in line when it's time to eat. Oh my gosh, I was jumping up and down. I couldn't stand it. Can we just go already? I imagine the Israelites jumping up and down, so frustrated, yada, 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 yeah, 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 come on, Moses, let's go. Meanwhile, God drones on and on and on. God spends virtually the entire book of Deuteronomy up to this point going over ground rules. They are meant to establish the basis for Israel's relationship with God and with each other and with their neighbors. They are about to receive a most extraordinary gift a gift promised to Abraham centuries beforehand. God doesn't want them to compromise it. God doesn't want them to take it for granted. Nor does God want the Israelites to forget from whom they are receiving this gift. Did you happen to notice the phrase, the Lord your God, in our reading? It was very redundant. In just 11 verses, that phrase is repeated 10 times. God wants Israel to remember the Lord their God and all that that the Lord their God has done for them. 
That's why as they make their offering, they are to rehearse their history, beginning with their ancestor who was a starving Aramean, Jacob. Jacob was Abraham's grandson, and he inherited Aramean blood through his mother, Rebekah. And then all of Jacob's sons and their tribes eventually ended up settling in Egypt during a great famine so that they wouldn't starve to death. Well, over time, the Israelites grew in numbers, so much so that the Pharaoh of that time began to feel threatened, worried that this people, this numerous people might take over, so he decided to enslave them and force them into very long days of intense physical labor. Eventually, the Israelites were so beaten down that they cried out to God for help, and God heard them. That's when God called Moses to deliver the Israelites out of Egypt. Through Moses, God confronted Pharaoh, which began this epic fight for Israel's freedom. And when Moses finally led Israel out of Egypt, it turned out that that was just the beginning of their journey. God wanted the Israelites to remember always all that God had done for them. Remember, God says, your deliverance from a harsh and oppressive Pharaoh. Remember your miraculous escape through the Red Sea when I, the Lord your God, parted the waters so that you could walk through on dry land. Remember, I, the Lord your God, sweetened the bitter waters at Marah so you could drink. And remember, I, the Lord your God, fed you from heaven with manna every day for 40 years. And again, when you were thirsty, I, the Lord your God, made water come from a rock at Meribah. And I, the Lord your God, I gave you the Ten Commandments so that you would know how to love me, how to love each other. Now that they had finally arrived, as they stood on the cusp of the land that God had promised their father Abraham centuries before, God wants them to remember the Lord their God and all that the Lord their God had done to deliver them, to provide for them, to guide them, and to prepare them to receive this promised land of milk and honey. Because this remembering, remembering their history through the lens of God's salvation and provision and guidance would give birth to gratitude. The Hebrew word for remember is zakar. Zakar implies a whole lot more than just a sentimental calling to mind. Remembering the past from a Hebrew perspective means that what is recalled becomes a present reality, which in turn controls the will. Controls the will. Remembering calls forth in us a response or an action. From a Hebrew perspective, faith becomes personal and real when we remember from whence and from whom we and all that we have come. Remember, God says, 
Because in so doing, gratitude will well up inside you and generate a spirit of joy and generosity. Remembering all that God has done for us, remembering our blessings, intentionally reflecting on all the gifts we've been given, it's good for us. It's good for our spirit. It's good for our hearts. And it births gratitude. There have been countless studies on the benefits of practicing gratitude. One of my heroes, I've mentioned her to y'all many times before, Brene Brown, in her research on how to live wholehearted lives, she discovers that the more grateful a person is, the more joyful they are. Another study on the effects of gratitude by Harvard Medical School points out that the word gratitude comes from the Latin word gratia, which means grace. And the results of their study indicate that practicing remembering the goodness in our lives and recognizing that the source of the goodness in our lives, at least to some extent, lies, part, lies outside of ourselves. And it helps us to connect with something, something larger than ourselves and to produce happiness, which according to this Harvard study can alleviate some feelings of depression and anxiety. All of the anxiety-inducing pressure that our kids and families are under here in Eanes ISD, it can be reduced through an intentional practice of remembering all that we have to be grateful for. This Harvard study suggests a few ways of practicing gratitude. And it is a practice, something that we can intentionally do. They suggest, for example, writing at least one thank you note a month and sending it to someone. They suggest maybe keeping a gratitude journal and taking time each day or once a week to sit down and write out the things you have to be grateful for and maybe even share them with somebody. Brene Brown's family, they began to practice gratitude by sharing at the dinner table each, each evening what they had been grateful for that day. Prayer is a means of practicing gratitude. Thanking God for all that you've received. Intentionally remembering both their gifts and the giver of all their gifts, the Lord their God, gives birth to gratitude. And gratitude breeds happiness, joy, a generosity of spirit that inspires the Israelites to give to God the first fruits of their harvest as a celebration of all that the Lord their God has done for them. And we discover in the verses immediately following ours that at least in part, this offering that they present, it is meant to help support those who live in their community who are struggling, specifically people like widows and orphans and immigrants. These acts of kindness are born of their gratitude. When we intentionally reflect on, when we intentionally remember all that the Lord our God has done for us, we experience gratitude. We experience a generosity of spirit that breeds kindness, a kindness that according to Mr. Rogers leads to ultimate success.
When we practice gratitude, we will indeed arrive. I'm going to invite the ushers to grab the glasses because today all of you will be receiving as a gift your very own green glasses. Yes. They'll be coming down the aisles here in a minute. I want you to go ahead and unwrap them because later I want us all to have our green glasses on. This coming Wednesday, as I mentioned before, is a green glasses day, and I want all of you on Wednesday to wear your green glasses and remember all that you have to be grateful for. Maybe you can write a thank you note to someone or tell someone how grateful you are for them. Maybe you can share around your dinner table all of the things that you have to be thankful for. <laughs> Lots of wrestling. I know. (laughs) So on Wednesday, as you're wearing your green glasses and you're remembering to be kind and you're remembering to give thanks, to remember all the things that God has done for you, I wanna encourage you, you can even take a selfie of yourself in your green glasses to post on social media along with at least one thing you're grateful for and the hashtag be kind. Maybe you will inspire someone else to give thanks. As those who in faith believe in a God who is generous and full of grace, a God who creates and who redeems, who provides and guides, let us remember and give thanks and celebrate through acts of kindness. Because each and every one of us as a people of faith, we have indeed arrived at the promised land. Amen.